So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grasses of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There are, there are some bleary-eyed teenagers that I see, and then there are some bleary-eyed adults around here that I've noticed as well. The people who have gone on the retreat are back. They got back. They returned just as we were ending services this morning. And um, from what I understand, it was a great retreat, very fun uh, very fun for them, but also meaningful. And so that's more important that they grew spiritually. Talking about straightening up our priorities, getting our priorities straight, putting things first, knowing what things to put first. Several years ago, the first, the first place that I worked at, at church that I worked with in Arkansas, uh, I was out for lunch with one of the families there, and they were telling me about one of their daughters saw one of the girls from church out and about when they were younger and the daughter looked over there and she saw the girl and she yelled out look there's Jackie first and the parents are going no, no, Jackie first it's just Jackie no 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 it's Jackie first and they were kind of confused and then they finally realized Jackie was in her Bible class but Jackie's grandmother, not that Jackie, but gra Jackie's grandmother was teaching the Bible class. So every activity that they did, the grandmother yelled out, Jackie first, Jackie first. And so she, she uh, thought her name for years was Jackie first, uh, the, the granddaughter. I don't know if that makes sense, but the point is that she put her first, her she was her priority in class rather than the other kids. And when we think about putting priorities in our lives, we, we can talk about, well, we have to put the church first or our family first or whatever. But I'm going to say that our priority, our number one priority is putting God first. We're going we're gonna to talk for this for a little while this evening about putting God first, straightening our priorities, starting with him. We can never have peace in our lives without God being first in our lives. We can never have joy without him being the first in our lives. We can never have victory, and he wants us to have victory, but we can't have that if he's not first in our lives. And so what does it mean to put him first? Well, first of all, it means that we're going to want him first. We're going to desire God first and foremost. When we wake up, we want God. When we, when we go to sleep, we're thinking about God. We're wanting to be with him. We always, growing up, we always wanted the parent that wasn't inflicting punishment on us at the moment. I don't know if, if, if children experience this today, but when... Anytime it came to get a spanking, and for some reason, we would put our hands behind our, our rears, and that would, I, I mean, it. no matter what, it's going to hurt, but that would hurt. I don't know if it was worse, but you had to do it. It was a reflex. 
And while we were getting spanked by one of the parents, we would be crying out for the other parent. And, and if it was my mom spanking me, I'm crying out, Daddy, 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 with every strike, every stroke, and vice versa. My dad, I'm calling out Mommy, Mommy. But I was thinking about this idea of wanting that parent right then. When something bad happens to a child, a little child, something bad happens. They fall. They hurt themselves. They get scared. They instinctively reach for their parent if they can find them. And then they hold on tight. And it's such a joy. So you have a little child and they're scared or they're hurt and they reach for you first. They want you. And so as a dad, you pick them up and they're snuggling and they're, they're, they're getting comfort and everything. And you're thinking, I am the dad of the year. And then all of a sudden they stop and they try to get away from you and start reaching. Why? Because the mom came. The mom came. And moms take precedent over, over the dads in certain situations. But when we think about our father, when we think about our parent, our heavenly father, he needs to come first. We need to be reaching for him at all times, reaching for him. Ephesians, the church in Ephesus in Revelation uh, chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 and, and, and John is instructed to write a letter to the, to the church in Ephesus. And good things starting in verse 2. Good things are happening uh, as far as God recognizing them for different things. And verse 2 of Revelation 2 starts out, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tests. Those are great things. What a great compliment for this church in Ephesus. You've tested those who say they are apostles, verse 2, and are not and have found them liars. Great. Good for you. And you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary Great, good job. And then he says, nevertheless, or he says, however. So it's all great until he says, nevertheless. And notice this. I have this against you. God has this against them. You have left your first love. In other words, you have stopped reaching for me. You have stopped wanting me. You have turned your back on your first, not your very first love, but the most important, the first and foremost love. You've turned your back on it. God should be our first love. No matter what, no matter when, no matter why, we should always want to be with him more than anyone else. First Chronicles 16, 11 reads, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. That was First Chronicles, sorry, 16, 11. We go over to Isaiah 55 and we read two verses in, in, in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he is near. God wants us to call on him, wants us to want him, wants us to reach for him in our, in our times of struggle. He wants us to want him, to be with him. We should want to be with him more than anything. We should want to make him happy more than anyone else. More than anyone else. Proverbs 18, 7, 8, 17 simply reads, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. I love those who love me. I love those who seek me. I love those who want to find me. 
First Thessalonians 2, 4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. We speak because we have to speak about Christ, about the church, but we don't do it to make other people happy. We do it to make God happy. We seek him to, and we want him to be happy. We should want to make him happy more than anyone else. He's our first love. Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Happy is a man who pleases the Lord. Peaceful is the life of a man who's pleasing to the Lord. So we should want to be with him. We should want to make him happy. And we should want his praise more than anyone else. How many times have you been on a playground and you keep hearing the word, two words, mommy, mommy, or daddy, daddy? Look at me. How many times have you heard that while you're on a playground? What do they want? They want the children is calling for their parent to give them approval over whatever they're doing. Look at me. I'm spitting in the dirt and playing with it. Or whatever they're doing, they, they want approval. And we want approval too. Daddy, look at me and approve of me. Parable of the, of the talents, the one-talent man, the two-talent man, the five-talent man in Matthew 25. And the master returns. You remember the story of these talents, and he gives them in, these servants in charge of these talents, and he comes back to, after a long journey, and he, and, and he finds out that the one-talent man has buried his, and the two-talent man brings back two, five-talent man, two more, and five-talent man brings back five more and then in Matthew 25, you hear this a couple of times. His master said to him, the, the one that brought back five extras, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of, our, of your master. Well done. I am proud of you. You have my approval. You have done something that makes me excited to be your father, your master. You have made me happy. That's what we should be seeking. When we put God first, we want to be with him, we want to make him happy, and we want his approval. So we put God first as our first love. We desire him first. That's one. When we put God first, we desire him first. Number two, when we put God first, we depend on him first. We depend on him first. The 118th Psalm, verse 8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in a man. Better than to trust in the Lord than put confidence in a man. Why? Men fail. Why not? Because they fail and they let you down and they're inconsistent. But what about God? Why put your trust in God? He won't fail. He doesn't let you down. He is not inconsistent. He is the most consistent thing in the universe. For a while in a child's life, the dad is the most dependable fixer of things ever. He's stronger than anyone that a child that that child knows his daddy is or her daddy. He knows how to fix things. He's dependable. He's always there for a while. They understand that for a while. They believe that for a while. And then the time comes when they realize this guy doesn't know anything. He's hardly ever here. He, 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 maybe that's just my experience. But our father doesn't let us down. It, may, it makes a father happy when his children demonstrate that they, want, that they have confidence and ability and wisdom. But those are humans. 
We need to trust God more than our infantry, our military might. I looked on the list. I was wondering about this, and I, and I, and I looked it up. Looked it up and found some interesting information. I, I, was, I, I searched for a comparison of military might in the world. 2017, 123 countries. And you know who's number one? We, we are. We have the most military might. We have the most military might. It's, it's, it's um, called the global firepower. GPF. I mean, G, yeah, GFP, global fire, firepower, and we are number, number one, 123 countries. We're worried about some countries. North Korea is number 23rd. Australia's more of a threat, would be more of a threat, but we're number one. And if anyone came to attack us, it'd be, it, it would be devastating for, for them. It would be. Casualties, land, devastated, demolished, destroyed. But in the long run, for eternity, it really doesn't matter who has the most military might. The global firepower doesn't matter at all. What matters is that God is more powerful, that we can depend on him, that we can trust him more than our infantry. Psalm 20, verses 6 through 8. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand, some, you've heard this, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Verse 8, they collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. We depend on him first. We, we trust him more than our military might. We trust him more than our income. More than our income, the, the money that we have is temporary. The jobs that we have are temporary. We might think, no, 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 these jobs are less. You wear out, maybe. It's temporary. You're temporary. And we read from Matthew chapter 6, and I'll let you get there again, and, and I'm not going to read all of it. But the idea from Matthew chapter 6, and we, we had the reading around 25 and through 25 through 34, and God's letting us know, why in the world would you worry about things that you don't need? And in, 20, in 25, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, about your body, what you're going to put on. Life is more than food, body more than clothing. Isn't that right? And then to look at the birds in there. They don't sow. They don't reap. They just, they're taken care of. Look at the flowers. They're beautiful. They're clothed and they're taken care of. We trust God more than, more than our income. We trust God to take care of us, to provide for us. We don't need to worry about in 31, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? All people, he says, the Gentiles seek after these. All people seek after those things. But you do this. You don't trust in your income. You don't trust in your life. You don't trust in those people. Trust that I will take care of you. All you have to do, he says, is to seek first the kingdom in, 20, in 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Depend on me, he says. You look for me. You seek me. You look for my righteousness. You strive for it. Continue to seek for it, to look for it. Seek it until you find it. 
And when you find it, hold on to it, and I will, you'll be taken care of the whole time. Because jobs are temporary. Jobs, employment, careers. Income is temporary. No matter how much you save, it's, it's, it's going to be spent by someone sometime. And if the world ends, you can't take it with you. God's providence, the way that he provides uh, for us, it's, it's trustworthy. It, it can, we can trust him. So we trust God more than our military. We trust God more than our income and our livelihood. We trust God more than our own intelligence. And that's easy. That's an easy thing to do, right? <laughs> for me, anyway. But some people, you encounter some people, and they just try, will try to convince you, not so much directly, but indirectly, try to let you know how much more they know than you and how much more they know than everyone around. Those people are the most fun people to hang out with, I think. No, that's, that's me being sarcastic. Those people are not fun to be. Those people who we call them what? Know-it-alls. They're not fun to be around. I know for sure that that's a fact. No, I, 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 in our experience, we can, we can all relate to this. We don't like to be around a know-it-all. We, and we are not know-it-alls, and we never will be. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's, it's talking about your emotions and, your, and, and your, with everything you have, your guts, you could say. Trust him with everything, with your heart. And then in verse 5 of Proverbs 3, lean not on your own understanding. So don't, don't think you're smarter than anyone, especially God. Don't lean on your understanding. That's like leaning on a piece of spaghetti, a dry spaghetti. It'll break and you'll fall and you'll be embarrassed. Don't lean on your understanding, but acknowledge. It says, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. You can close your eyes through life and, 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 and maybe we should at times just close our lives through our eyes through life and let God, God direct us and guide us because we trust him. We trust him. I don't know if you've ever seen this game played where one person, it's a, it's a trust building game. One person puts on a blindfold and another person guides them through a through a, an obstacle course around, around obstacles and, and through this little track sometimes. And who, there's always an ornery person, ornery person, ornery person who will start running their partner into walls and things like that. And then the person, it's hard to keep your eyes closed and, and not look through your bandana, but, but we need to let God do that and be willing to not stop when we think we might run into something, not move when we think, when, when we think that we're, there's an obstruction. Just let him guide us. Let him guide us. And we trust in him more than our own intelligence, more than our, our own ability. So, to put God first means that we desire to be with him. To put God first means that we depend on him. And to put God first means that we talk about him first and foremost. We declare him first. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. It says, I delivered you first of all that which I also received. So Paul's talking about the gospel. What's the gospel? That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. Why did I, why did I cite this? 1 Corinthians 15, 3. 
I deliver to you first. The first thing that I did when I met you, I talked about this. I talked about you can get to heaven. The first thing that when I met you, I talked to you about establishing a church and giving yourself up and having your sins forgiven. The first thing that I did when I encountered you was talk about salvation and God and his providence and, and, and Jesus. The first thing that I taught you. And that should be us as well. First of all, I, I delivered. First of all. Well, when do we talk about God first? We're going to talk about God first when? In our community. In our community. Talk about God first. What's, what's the thing that you love to talk about? What's the thing that you love most? And we have those people in our lives and we love them as they get into whatever they're into and they go, they go all in. And they learn uh, about different things, and then they'll tell you about the things that they learn, and they're passionate, and, and, and it's enjoyable to an extent. And then you, you learn so much, and maybe you're one of those people, and it might be a diet, it might be a way of life, it might be, it might be a hobby, but we talk about that because we care about it. We're into it. Are we talking about God? Are we talking about God? Acts chapter 5, there's an account. In Acts chapter 5, so apostles, and, they're, and they're, they've been preaching Jesus in Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles. And they get arrested. Because people don't like what, they're, what, they're, what they've been talking about, the Jewish leaders. And so they're trying to figure out how to get them killed. And one of the Jewish leaders stands up to the other Jewish leaders and, and get Gamaliel, and he, and he tells him, you know, we might not want to do this. We might, we might think twice about this. In Acts 5.40, it says they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, great, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And that was it. They were done. They got beaten. They, they got let off the hook. They almost died. So then they were done. They, they didn't, I mean, they, they had their warning and they, they heeded it. Absolutely not. Notice 42 of Acts chapter 5. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They talked about it, God first. First and foremost, they talked about God house to house in the temple. Colossians 1.28 simply reads, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that, he, that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. Well, you know, some people, we sh they show up and we might interact with them for a little while. And then the, the idea of this, the, the um, concept of God the, uh, might come up, maybe. But we'll talk about other things. And the topic might come up, it might not come up. Just to some men. We, we'll talk about God to some men if it's comfortable, and women if it's comfortable. But that's not what the scriptures tells us that, that, that should happen. Him we preach. We preach. Warning who? Warning every man, every person, 
teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man. What's the motivation? That we can take these people that we talk to God about and present them. Here are your children. They've obeyed your will. They have been baptized. They, they believed in your son and they, they confessed their sins, repented, of, I mean, confessed Christ before men, repented of their sins. They put on, and here they are. They're perfect. We present them to you. Because we taught them in wisdom, not our wisdom, but God's wisdom, not our wisdom, but the wisdom of the gospel. And we, we talked about just not some, but the every man in all wisdom. So we talk about God first in our community to our children. We have that sacred passage as far as parenting goes. Deuteronomy 6, 6, 7. And these words I command, I command you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children shall walk shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You want to, we want to ingrain our, in our children the word of God. We want to talk to them about God. Teachable moments are all around us as far as God is concerned. Teachable moments. Had a conversation. You didn't know I'd use this as soon as, as you told me, but I had a conversation with David Beard. He was telling me, I was reading about spider webs and how they're made. And um, I was telling him, we, we saw a spider web, a spider building a web in our yard not too long ago. And we're trying to take pictures. And the pictures don't do it justice. But it was nighttime, and, and the light was just illuminating this. And the spider was going crazy, it looked like, until you noticed that he had a plan. He had a plan. And David and I were talking about it. God made them like that. They know how to build things, and they know which, which size of web. But you can talk to a child about that. Isn't that amazing that God made things like that that can do this and, and can do that. Isn't it amazing that the flowers do what they do? Isn't it amazing that the colors are there on the flowers so the bees are attracted to them so they can do their thing and make the honey and make other things, pollinate all that? Isn't it amazing? We can teach God to children no matter what age, and we do. There's a cradle row class where the children learn things from babies when they're babies, teaching God to them, talking about God to them. What happens when you don't? Well, you raise them in a godless home when you don't. So we talk to, to God about our, we talk to our children about God. We talk to other Christians about God. How so? Well, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. You're talking to Christians. You're talking to other people. How? In a wholesome way. And if you talk in a wholesome way, God's going to come up. God will be the topic of conversation. And if he's not the direct topic, he's going to be thrown in. You're thankful to God. Praise God. You're a blessing from God. And all these things. And so we talk to other Christians. We talk to our community. We talk to our children. And you know, I was thinking about this. We need to be talking to ourselves about God, too. I talk to myself all the time. In the office, we, we talk to ourselves all, all the time. In the car, I talk to myself all the time. But a lot of it is negative talk. Getting on to myself and calling myself names that are, uh, you know, as far as not being s s too smart. But I should be talking to myself about God. Looking around and, and praising him. Being thankful. Praying to him. Talking to him and talking about him to myself. So to put God first means that we talk to, we, we, we talk to people about him and we... we, we we rest in him. We depend on him. We finally do everything for him first. We put him first. Everything we do is for him first. Second Corinthians 8, 5. Not only is he had, as we had hoped, 
but they, get, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. They first did whatever we do, we do for God. The secret of giving, we talked about that this morning. The secret of giving is first giving yourself to God. That's what I ended the sermon with this morning. Have you given yourself over to God? The secret of giving is giving yourself first. That's what we read in 2 Corinthians 8, 5. But we are going to worship him first. And, and Exodus 21 through 5, God speaks all these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You're not going to worship anything else, anyone else, no carved, carved image, no other likeness. You shall not, you shall not bow down to them or serve to them. We're going to worship God first and last and only. So we will worship him first when we put him first. Whatever we do will be for him first. We're going to work for him first. God's work is first. We sing the song from Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So everything we do, anytime that we work, we do it for God. And We don't think like that, do we, most of the time? You know, even preparing classes sometimes, you forget, I'm do, doing this as a, in, in God's service. Preparing sermons, you forget sometimes. I just got, I have to get the sermon knocked out. No, you, you do it for God. And I mentioned the Philippines last week when we did the report. The teenagers at the end of the services, at the end of the events, get up and clean the church building for the next time. So it'd be ready for the next time they meet. Those, they're, they're, they're having fun, but they're, they're serving God. But it has to go beyond just church service. It has to go into the world. It has to go into wherever we go and whatever we do in word or deed. We're, all, we're going to do all in the name of the Lord, everything. So we're going, to, we're going to work for him first. We're going to worship him first. And we're going to, we're going to, wherever we go, we're going, to go, we're going to walk for him first, wherever we go. Deuteronomy 5.33, you shall walk in the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, that it may go well with you, you may live. What do we do? We, we walk in the way of the Lord. What, why? We're carrying the gospel. That's, we're, we're, we're transporting the gospel from one place to another so that we can share it with other people. But wait, I, I, I'm, building a, I'm, I'm building a shed with these people, and I can't carry a Bible, so, but I'm going to walk in the way of the Lord with yes. We can figure that out. And, and uh, you know of people who do that. Wherever they go, whatever they're doing, they're talking about God and they're doing things for other people in the name of God. I can think of people here who do that. So we follow his leadership, God's leadership. We stay in his will. First John 2, 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So we walk first for the Lord, everything we do. Now, when we're living in a society where it's all about us. It's all about us. It's about ourself. It's about our, it's about our selfie. We want people to know what we're doing, when we're doing it, where we're doing it. And we want people to thumbs up or to card it or, or like it or, or, uh, or, or forward or, or retweet it. Whatever we want them to. We want them to know. And it's all about us. That's okay to an extent. Mm, okay, it's done. It's not okay anymore. But putting God first and foremost, walking in that way. So the questions as we end, who's first in your life? Is God first? Are your priorities straight enough to say God is first in my life? 
Do you desire him first? First and foremost, do you want to be with him and please him and make him proud of you first and foremost? Do you, do you depend on him first? When things get, get rough, do you, is he the first person you go to, to to pray or to be held? Or are there other people? Do you depend on him first? Do you, do you talk about him first wherever you go? And whatever you do, do you, are, you, are you doing things for him first? And if you're a Christian and you're not, you need to change. You need to straighten up your priorities. Get them straight. I, I think a lot of people have, have this view of people who stand in the pulpit, preachers who stand in the pulpit, of them saying, this is what you need to do, and, and I've already done it. I, I, I haven't. These are things I struggle with and I will struggle with, and I, and, and, um, and I think we'll all struggle with these things, putting God first and foremost in our lives. And so we fail at that, and when we fail, we, we fail. When he's not first, we fail. When we put ourselves first, we'll fail. When we put others first before him, we will fail. We'll sin. We'll regret it. And so if you're a Christian who has gotten into that position, situation, where you've put other things first, and you failed and you're failing, then repent. Take care of that. Ask for, ask for forgiveness. Ask for prayers. Ask for strength. If you're not a Christian, but you know what you need to do in order to be one, respond. I challenge you to do that. Let's take care of that. If you need to study about how to become a Christian and how to get to heaven, we would love to do that with you. If there are any other needs that can be met by coming forward, now let us know as we stand and as we sing.